Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com. Again, it's uh, Monday, December 15th, and this is the Ion College Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Squarespace, which recently launched a version of its platform called Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and a feature called Cover Pages. If you want to try it, go to Squarespace.com and enter the offer code FUN at checkout to get 10% off. That's Squarespace. Start here go anywhere. All right, my guest today, just like every Monday, Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini. And I want to start with this. Last week, guys, we um, talked player of the year stuff, and we threw out names like uh, Okafor and Kaminsky, but mostly uh, concluded that nobody has obviously separated himself. And I I still think that's mostly true. Uh, But Montrezl Harrell is the only player on a nationally ranked team who is averaging a double-double. He's getting 17 points and 10.4 rebounds per game. So he's an awesome player on an awesome team, putting up awesome numbers, which is usually the three boxes you want to check for National Player of the Year stuff. He's now been the CBSSports.com Player of the Week twice this season, uh, the first week and this uh, one that we uh, gave out this morning. Is he the Player of the Year right now? Would he, If you had to vote today, Matt, I'll start with you. Would you give him the vote? Yeah, I think I'd have to. Uh, I saw him in person last week at the Jimmy V when he was – um, monstrous in that game against Indiana, um, pretty vital overall. I would, I would think it's him, him, and maybe Willie Cauley Stein at one B. Willie Cauley Stein, uh, Kentucky, obviously they haven't lost, and uh, he's he's had a few pretty monstrous games, and you know it would it would seem over the past month Willie has been able to solidify himself as a top 10 pick and even bump up in the top five for plenty of people. But Harold would be my pick. And I tell you, just as, as a side anecdote, um, it, it was refreshing to talk to him after the game against Louisville, against Indiana, where he was, I mean, plenty fired up, wasn't afraid to talk about Kentucky, wasn't afraid to discuss basically how, how good this team can be, um, how fearless they are. Um, and, and honestly, even though you know a guy like Wayne Blackshear is is the senior on that team, in a lot of ways might be considered something of a leader. I, I would say Harrell is uh, is the alpha in so many ways for that team, and and he doesn't shy from it. Uh, he's outspoken. He's frightening and fun to watch uh, play. So he is he is definitely the pick at this point. And though we'll talk again before the next uh, you know before Kentucky and Louisville play, I think there's a good chance that that game will will be a be an outcome where maybe we have a definitive you know leader uh in that regard if if Okafor doesn't go off for Duke in between that time. Sam, I hear you sniffling. Is this like a LA Coke problem thing? <laughs> I think it's just me being really really tired this morning. <laughs> oh wait, what do you Still just waking up. Yeah, did you have a rough you have a rough Sunday night or something? Oh no. Uh, it's just it's, it's just, just it's 7 for people who don't it's 7:20 in LA right now. And so you're uh yeah, it's early for you. Although I will tell you I've been up since uh 5.45 Central time. Oh, man. Yeah, I was up until like 1.30 last night. I had to finish up the NBA rookie rankings for CBS. That'll be released today. And then I uh, got a late start on the viewer's guide. So I understand. I solid four I, and a half sleep. I, I understand. <laughs> we appreciate you getting up so early. You can take a nap as soon as we're done here. Um, <laughs> what, where are you at on Harold? You, I mean, uh, listen, he he's somebody who's always been um, an intriguing prospect and freak athlete, but – Mm-hmm. Um, now he's a great play- like he's a great college basketball player. That's undeniable, right? Yeah, he's knocking down threes. He's their emotional leader. You, here's my thing: you can't go wrong with any of Frank Kaminsky, Jaleel Okafor, Montrez Harrell, or Willie Cauley Stein right now. 
all four of them have just been fantastic. I would probably lean towards the other guy that Matt talked about. I would probably lean towards Willie Cauley Stein right now Mm -hmm. because the only, if you look at the big picture of what we've been talking about in the NCAA this year, a lot of what we've been talking about is Kentucky's defense and Willie Cauley Stein is the most important part of that defense. He is the key cog that allows them to do so much. He can go out and guard on the wing, someone like a Jonathan Holmes or a LaDonte Henton and completely shut them down. And then he's also this incredible rim protector that is leading their defense to one of the best marks in two point percentage in history. So I tend to lean towards him because his offensive games also come around. But like I said, in reality, you cannot go wrong with any of those four. You know, it's um, with Kali Stein. He's, he's been somebody who, you know, he's just the way he's built and the way he runs and the way, you know, he blocks shots has always made him an intriguing NBA prospect, but I would always hear, yeah, but he can't do anything offensively. And he's still not there yet, but like, there are so many guys in the NBA who can't do anything offensively, who play that position. Like it never made sense to me that, that people would project him outside of the lottery. Like, I think he could have been, he he could have been in the lottery any year. He wanted to leave school based on nothing more than he's, you know, he's seven foot, uh, he's a seven foot center who is, uh, you know, sort of a, a just a there aren't many guys who can do the things he can do on that one end of the court. And it's not just blocking shots. I think people go, oh, yeah, he can block like he 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 steals balls too. like he's uh, when I was at the Kentucky, Texas game like he had he moves like a guard. On yes. The incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it really is incredible. Like he um, he's got great instincts and and um, and like like. It's not just blocking shots. He will also, like, take a ball from the other team. In fact, like, I went to look mm-hmm. the numbers up just now at, at Ken Palm. He's, uh, his steal percentage is 4.3, which ranks – it might not sound like – those these numbers some, often don't make any sense to anybody or most people, but that, that ranks top 60 in the country. So he's one of the best shot blockers in the country and one of the best at taking the ball from the opposing team in the country. Uh, like, yeah, his, so his numbers aren't going to jump off the page, but, but that's got more to do with the platoon system than it does anything else. Yeah, no, I'm totally there with you. Okay. Ahead, Speak, speaking of Kentucky, let's switch gears real quick. Um, I almost forgot because it seems like it was forever ago because it, it happened before the weekend. Alex Poitras is out for the year. Uh, torn ACL. Uh, obviously, you, you don't want to lose important people. You certainly don't want to lose upperclassmen, particularly in a program um, that, at least last year, struggled uh, throughout most of the season based off um, the idea that they didn't have upperclassmen. At least that was the prevailing thought. And so uh, I don't think you can um, – it's hard to put a, a gauge on what he meant to that team in terms of leadership and all that. But I, I sort of made the very brief argument on Twitter that if all this does is force John Calipari to play guys who are probably more talented, it might not be a bad thing. Matt, where do you fall on that? Yeah, actually, I almost tweeted that same thing um, on Friday morning when it was determined that he was he was out. Um, I I agree. Listen, Poitras is a. I think he's a very. I mean, when you've got a guy, when you've got a player of Poitras's talent level, and you can basically say, yeah, he's a nice little piece um, that just kind of speaks to your overall strength, ability, depth, whatever you want to say. I I did not believe. I basically looked at it like this when when it happened. I thought, okay, if you look at Kentucky with Alex Poitras and Kentucky without him and the lineups they'll use, I actually don't think that will correlate to even one more loss than they would have had with him. So ultimately, 
while it might be a minor challenge for Calipari in terms of figuring out lineups, I, I don't think, and he's a good player, don't get me wrong, like he's going to come back, you would think, and, and be uh, pretty important if he's at full strength for Kentucky next season. But I, I'm not seeing how losing him impacts their title chances, number one seed chances, hoping to run the table in the SEC chances overall. Yeah, like, you know, if it if it if the result is Tyler Ulis gets more minutes, um I know they don't play the same position, but like that that was I think the byproduct of of Saturday's box score. Uh Tyler Ulis played more than usual. Um I think uh, Trey Lyles played more than usual. Um like I I don't think those are bad things. So, it, it's a little weird like you know, I'm not trying to dismiss the idea. Like it, it sucks. Like it's in, but but I think it probably sucks more for Poitras than it does Kentucky. I think Kentucky will be fine because you could end up looking out on the court and 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 seeing that they've got wow, they've got uh, you know uh, better players. Uh, you know, I, I think I think Trey Lyles is, is a better player than than Alex Poitras, and so if he's getting more minutes because of this, I, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, and I think that the one thing that we've talked about Kentucky's you know, pseudo weakness being is outside shooting. And if Tyler Eulis and Devin Booker are going right. to play more in Alex Poitras's, uh, you know, absence, I think that's probably going to be a good thing for their offense. They made, I think seven threes over the weekend against North Carolina and they had only made like six in the previous four games combined. So that's obviously a one game sample size, but I think that you're going to look at a scenario where their offense might look a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit more fluid because Eulis is going to be on the floor more and you're going to have better offensive spacing throughout the entire uh, zone. Um, so we, we mentioned, or Matt mentioned, that you could lose a piece like Poitras and really not miss a beat at Kentucky. Um, and it just sort of speaks to the level of talent that John Calipari's assembled in Lexington. And I, I think all of that is true. Um, it sort of makes for an easy transition to something else I want to talk about, which is Sam, you saw Gonzaga uh, Saturday night at Poly Pavilion, another impressive performance for them. And how about this? Gonzaga is a, a consensus top 10 team, maybe a top five team, and their leading scorer is a guy who could theoretically be on Kentucky's team right now, Kyle Wilcher. Like, what does that say about – I mean, can you imagine Kentucky right now with a shooter like Kyle Wilcher? Oh, it's crazy. It's – he would be – I'm trying to, like, decide how good he would be and, like, how useful he would be on that team because he kind of doesn't fit their defensive MO this year. But they'd be able to fill around him so well with all of their length that he would be incredible on that team this year. And he's already incredible on Gonzaga right now. He's really reshaped his entire offensive game. That's what I wrote about for uh, Sunday after the game. And he's playing really well out of the post. He's really crafty around there now. They said that they worked uh, in his year and a half off to get him really strong around the mid-range, get him really strong down low. And he's put on, he's up to about 240 pounds. He came to Kentucky, I think, around 210. So he's really a totally different guy than he was in Kentucky. And they could probably use his spacing, but I think it was probably a best situation for everyone that he moved on and is now leading another top 10 team. Oh, I thought it was a no brainer for him because yeah. he would have been, they would have recruited over his head every single year and, and he would have never had the opportunity to develop in the play, into the player that he is right now. And so nope. uh, it, it always made sense that, um, you know, I mean, maybe he could have become a pro. I don't know, but like if he was ever going to be a relevant player um, on a nationally relevant team um transferring to Gonzaga was about as as wise as a move um as 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 he could make and 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 he made it what were your thoughts on on Gonzaga in general Sam 
Um, I'll say this. They look a lot better defensively than they have in the past. The best way that I can compare it, I'd compare them defensively to the team that went like what? They went like 31-2 and two, uh, the year they got the number one seed. Uh, they're really long and they're really athletic. Like Karnowski is a load in the paint and he takes up a ton of space defensively. And it's really hard to shoot over him. They have a really good two-point percentage against and percentage against at the rim. Um, they're also really long on the perimeter, though, because Gary Bell Jr. is a really, really good defender. Uh, Byron Wesley's pretty long. So I think that's the thing I came away most with. We know how good the offense is, but the defense looked pretty good against a potent UCLA team. Matt, it was the most impressive performance by a team from the weekend um, Iowa State blowing out Iowa in Iowa City, shorthanded without Bryce DeJean Jones. Was that the was that the most surprising thing of the weekend? They so yeah, they that that thing got crazy. I mean, they lose Bryce DeJean Jones for a game to an arrest, possibly related to having or not having marijuana charges were dropped, whatever. So he gets he gets suspended. Well, let's and be clear. Have- let's let's make sure we got it right. Um, th- there was marijuana in the apartment. And, yes. and uh, but the what it sounds like to me, like I talked to his lawyer, it sounds like to me like the cops tried to overcharge, right? Like the, it was the classic, like they reached a little too far. What they tried to charge him with was um, house uh, hosting a drug house, which yeah. is which is which <laughs> it is sounds that's like that's that's a terrible. <laughs> it, it, it sounds it sounds ridiculous, right? How, uh, what that charge is for, I'm told, is when the cops go and bust up a big party. And um, and they go in and they bust up a big party and they find drugs in the house and nobody will claim the drugs. And, and so they just they charge the um, they charge the whoever the homeowner is or the guy on the lease with with hosting a drug house. So it, they hit they hit um, the, 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 this charge there, but it wasn't a big party. It was. It was like four dudes and there wasn't like tons of drugs. It was just a you know small amount of weed on a dresser. And so um, they, they seem to have overcharged. But there was there was marijuana in the house, if, if that matters to you at all. Now continue, Matt. Giving me flashbacks to attending parties in college <laughs> or the cops game. Those were great times. Um, but so we get the one game suspension. And I did wonder if Iowa State would be ready because I actually think Iowa was a pretty decent team. And my God, Fred Hoiberg got his team up so strong. Uh, it was extremely impressive. And that game, by the way, is always played on a Friday night during exam week. They, that's always like a forgotten game. I don't know why they do that. Um, but huge. I mean, Iowa State's one of a litany of teams that still only has one loss. I would, I would argue that was a, a pretty significant outcome from this perspective, and that like Bryce DeJohn Jones has been a pretty vital player for that team this year. I, I would say outside of Nyang, um, he is he is number two, and they've got obviously really good pieces there. Nader's been good, Morris, Naslong, Dustin Hogue. I mean, the, the really good team yet again. They're going to get to the tournament. But if you're Bryce DeJohn Jones and you get a one-game suspension and then the team goes out to Iowa and just smashes a decent Hawkeyes team, in a game that was really, I mean, there was, what, a 15-point difference, and it was not that close. Uh, that's a, a coaching message if I've ever sent, if I've ever seen one. Um, so ultra impressive by that team, and for Hoiberg to have his guys not miss a beat, if anything, just dial it up a few notches without, uh, without BDJ there. So, yes, yeah, si- significant outcome for ISU. 
Iowa, just as a quick note here, I mean, they have that nice win over Carolina, but elsewhere, they've, their other legitimate games they've now lost, you know, they, I saw them drop against Texas and Syracuse in New York in November, losing to Iowa State. They have Northern Iowa coming up this weekend, and that's a game Northern Iowa can absolutely win. It's on a neutral, it's on a neutral floor there in Des Moines. So, uh, you know, we'll see what uh, what the Hawkeyes can do. But that that is absolutely a huge game upcoming this weekend. Did, did either of you read the story from the student newspaper at Iowa State talking to neighbors of Bryce DeJean Jones? I did not. Oh, oh, it was really well done. Like, I wish I would have tweeted it out. I, I, I saw it, like, at a random, like, maybe middle of the night thing when I woke up when I, and I just forgot about it. I'm just now remembering it. But it was um, it was really well reported. Like, whoever the, the student reporters were, they did a nice job. Like, they went and talked to the people who, um, you know, live in that apartment complex. And, like, Bryce DeJean Jones sounds like the worst dude in the world. Like, 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 <laughs> I, like he just, it made him look ter- like a terrible human being. Like... Um, constantly just being um, disrespectful to neighbors. Like apparently they had tried to talk to him several times. They'd even tried to talk to Fred uh, about him, just saying like, this guy is like miserable to live around. Like um, constantly leaving trash in the hallway, um, loud, um, drunk, often uh, belligerent, um, banging. And really be taking me back to my. Class. I know, like, I, like I say all the, it sounds like exactly like me, um, you know. And so, you know, possibly, you know, one day he'll he'll evolve into something less uh, belligerent. But um, stuff like, uh, you know, I think there was one part of the story where um, some one neighbor, like all the neighbors, hate him. Right? They hate him, and they hate everybody who lives there. And everybody who visits. And he's just a mess. And so, like, somebody put a note on the door that said something like, hey, you know, please, you know, put put your trash in the tra- in the dumpster or please don't leave it here or, or something. That, or, like, please uh, try to keep it down at night or something like that, right? And so there are so many people that hate Bryce DeJean Jones in this apartment complex, apparently, that um, it could have been any number of people, but he assumed it was the person who, like, lived right across the hall. And um, so they take the note off his own door and he puts it back on this other guy's door that says, I, I think the quote was like, um, suck my dick or something, right? <laughs> okay. Jesus. Okay. okay, so, um, and, the, and the guy is telling the story to the student newspaper. He's like, and it wasn't even me. Like, I didn't even do anything. He said, so they're like banging on my door. And, and then he's like, at one point they like, they, they want to fight me, you know, and it wasn't even me this time. It was just, it painted a really awful picture of this guy. And um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I struggle with this on, 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 on a couple of levels because on one hand, like, I was an idiot in college. Like, I was an idiot last week, so I kind of can, like, you know, whatever. But on the other hand, like, when you're a Division One athlete, it's a high-profile player, you can't put yourself in, in these types of situations. Because, uh, and I try to, to point this out in, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a brief column on Friday, uh, you know, either Thursday or Friday. And, and basically, because, like, Melvin Edgem, who played at Iowa State last year, obviously, he tweeted something like, man, you know, I... Um, uh, I, I, I thought, you know, it sounds like they were just having a party. When did, when did, when did you not, when did, when did we get to a point where you can't have parties in college anymore? And I get that because like what you described or what has been described in Bryce DeJean Jones, uh, apartment that night, it's the same thing that went on in my apartment, like basically through college. Like, 
um, you know, playing video games really loudly, listening to music loudly, and and you know, weed somebody having weed in the in the apartment like that. That was my apartment. That was a lot of people's apartments. So I can't really get up in arms about that. Um, it would be hypocritical. But the difference is. A, I was never arrested, and I'd like to think if the cops told me 50 times to calm down, I would have calmed down. But B, if I were to have been arrested, it wouldn't have been that, it would have mattered to me and like maybe my parents, but not anybody else. In other words, it wouldn't have been on CBSSports.com, it wouldn't have been on a ticker somewhere, it wouldn't have embarrassed my coach, my program, and it wouldn't have, at least theoretically, cost my team. I know we now know that they wanted Iowa, so whatever. Uh, but but in theory, like they were not in theory, uh, they were actually shorthanded and down a key player and could have lost that game. And, and so it could have it could have cost them a, a, a win in a rivalry. It could have cost them um, uh, RPI points and Ken Palm points and rank national rankings. It could have cost their at large resume. Um, and and the idea that you think, hey, this is just what college kids do, because I'm certain that's what Bryce DeJean Jones thinks. Uh, seems a little short-sighted to me because it is what though it is what college kids do. It's not something you can do without risking uh, everything that he's risked, which is a damaged reputation and um, an embarrassment to his school and his program. And I, I don't know why um, more student athletes don't seem to understand that outside of the obvious, which is they're 19, 20, 21 years old. Matt, what do you think on that? We gotta stop. Here's what I think: we gotta stop like letting these 20 year old dudes off the hook by just saying they're 20. I know. Right. <laughs> you know, I like, I'm sorry, but like 20 is not 12. Okay. And you know, right from wrong at that point. And while, you know, we don't need to necessarily throw the book at them and never let them play again. There definitely has become this interesting reaction to like, just a college kid. I know. And I'm with you on this. To me, that is not acceptable for a lot of coaches. It's not seen as acceptable. Like the number one example I can see from this, and it's finally worn away to a certain degree. But when Jameis Winston was stealing crab legs and people were like, oh, he's in college, what are you even talking about? Like, that is not remotely an acceptable excuse for, <laughs> like, I did not have friends in college that were like, yeah, let's go to the store and steal a bunch of seafood. That did not happen. That does not happen. There's a certain sense of entitlement with a lot of these players because, frankly, they can have a pattern of behavior without getting in too much trouble by the mere nature that they're awesome at playing basketball. And you know what? When they're 15 or 16, they might not have a certain guardian or or, or a certain figure that can keep them in line. And so that behavior might repeat itself as they get to college. Uh, and, and basically, a lot of these players can have a lot of, you know, time to themselves, free time away from coaches and whatnot. They're not being watched 24-7. So when you've got certain kinds of players that have repeated bad behavior – and if you're going to have national sports voices or whatever say, oh, they're just in college, like it, it almost is just some sort of security blanket, which really shouldn't be there. There's, there's some nuance that needs to be added to that discussion. I can actually sympathize with just in college if it's like, yo, they were at a party and, you know, somebody had a bag of weed or whatever, like or, or like, you know, public intoxication, like he was outside of a bar and, uh, so, you know, and he was stumbling and the cop, like I can all like because like that's that that is college but i can't sympathize with just being an asshole you know like and it sounds like the picture painted of him like you guys need to go find the story he's he's just 
like treating people that way, like that's not about being young. That's just about being an asshole. And so like, I, I can't get down with that. Like the, I can sort of get down with, hey, you know, we were playing video games and the cops knocked on the door and, you know, and then they smelled something because my buddy was smoking in the bedroom and next thing you know, they've got a warrant and so here we are. Like, I'm like, all right. Like, well, I guess I guess in theory that could happen to anybody. But when you later find out, like, this had been such a problem in the apartment complex that the cops had sat down with Fred Hoiberg previously to try to, talk, you know, talk, hey, man, you got to talk to your guy. He's, like, driving everybody crazy. And like then, then I, I presumably Fred has to go to Bryce and say, "Listen, man, the cop, the cops are calling me about you. You got to cool out." Uh, and then, so to have all that leading up to this night, and then that night still happen—that's the part. Like to me, that doesn't sound like college kid being a college kid. That just sounds like an asshole, man. And he's so, a, and uh, let's just and a real quick side note: like he's a he's a senior transfer. This is not like a two-time transfer. Yeah. yeah. And this this is like something that's kind of recurring with him too, isn't it? He got suspended last year for like yeah. screaming at his teammates <laughs> after they lost in the conference tournament. Yeah, like he got. That's why he ended up leaving. In fairness, I've, in fairness, I've, I, in fairness, I've screamed at UNLV players too <laughs> last year, last call for drunk bet situation. Terrible, terrible possessions in the final minutes, and so I, I can, I, I, I understand where Brian. Regardless, though, this is the situation that keeps recurring for him. Yes, yeah, right. You know, but he's talented, so um, yeah, so he'll get another chance. Uh, Remember, today's Ion College Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace is now redesigned with Squarespace Seven interface, including integration with Google Apps. Partnership with Getty Images, 15 new templates and cover pages, and Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Everything starts just $8 a month. That includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, and every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look great on every device every time. So start a free trial, no credit card required, and get to building your website today. Go to squarespace.com, enter the offer code FUN to get 10% off and show your support for the Ion College Basketball Podcast. At Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. Let's do some news and notes uh, presented by Squarespace. Let's start with this one. Michigan got killed by Arizona this weekend. Are the Wolverines the nation's biggest disappointment right now? They are 6-4 and four with losses to Villanova on a neutral by 5. Nothing embarrassing there. Um, even getting blown out at Arizona. Like, people are going to get blown out at Arizona. That doesn't even bother me. But when you combine those two results with home loss to NJIT and home loss to Eastern Michigan. Um, I, 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 is, I'll just ask the question. Norlander, you answer it. Um, is Michigan the biggest disappointment in the country right now? Oh, there probably have to be. They're not even top 50 Ken Palm anymore. They did start 6-4 and four last year, um, and they rallied to be a, a fairly decent team. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to end their season right now, but like the, yeah. first, the first 10 games aren't very good. Yeah, they got a home match against SMU Saturday. They have to win. They should win, but there's no guarantee that of that. I I think so. I wasn't as big on Michigan as a lot of people. Um, I wouldn't have expected them obviously to be six and four at this point, but I think you'd have to put them up there. I mean, who would be competing? Florida to a certain extent. Florida, Kansas State. Yes, absolutely. Florida, Kansas okay. State, Memphis, North Memphis, Carolina, maybe uh, Nebraska. Nebraska, well, and again, see, Michigan and Nebraska were the two teams I kind of sold on in terms of Big Ten performance this year. Um, 
that was uh, a hideous, hideous game. <laughs> Nebraska and Cincinnati went double OT. Nebraska <laughs> got the win. Both teams deserved to lose. And Tim Miles had a great quote after on, on the court on the Big Ten Network. And he basically was like, I can go shopping for food tomorrow and not hide because I didn't lose three straight road games. Um, the home games. There like, legitimately is probably truth to that. Um, but they <laughs> they have had some inconsistent uh, play, certainly. I think that would run the gamut. I would say Michigan more than anyone because of the nature of the losses and how they've looked. Um, I think they can turn it around. I, I think they still will make the tournament. Uh, but Derek Walton hasn't been as good as I thought he would. Zach Irvin is way too inconsistent. And Karis LeVert cannot be expected to score 28 points, dish five dimes, and grab eight rebounds and get three steals. I mean, they can't expect him to do that. And even if he does, it's not like that's going to be good enough to carry Michigan. Uh, what do you think, uh, Sam? Uh, most disappointing co- team in the country to date: Michigan, Nebraska, yeah. Kansas State, Florida, uh, Memphis. Who who you got? I tend to go Michigan. I wasn't really high. I'm like Matt. I wasn't terribly high on Nebraska coming into the year. I wasn't terribly high on Memphis coming into the year. Like I thought they were tournament teams, but I thought there was a chance for this. I didn't see Michigan with that triumvirate of Walton, Irvin, and Lavert falling off like this, losing games to Eastern Michigan and NJIT. I mean, we don't really know how good Syracuse is yet. That's pretty much their marquee win at this point. Like Syracuse may or may not be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, so this this start is definitely more concerning to me than last year's 6-4 and four start when they lost games to Iowa State, Duke, and Arizona. Um, as far as what they need to do, they're taking way too many jumpers. I know that they're only taking like 18% of their shots around the rim, which is the worst in the country right now. But this is kind of a, I think it might be a flawed team in general, just because their guys are jump shooters. They don't have an interior post presence that can go get them shots. Even Levert to an extent is a guy who works to get his jump shot, not a guy who works to get to the rim. So if you're not getting easy looks like that and they're not really getting out in transition at all because they're like in the top or bottom 25 and adjusted tempo this year, that's an awfully hard like needle to thread whenever you're playing Big Ten basketball this year. Hey, GP, can I just jump in here real quick sure. uh, with, with, a, with a note I wanted to add? It has nothing to do with Michigan, but we're, we're recording this podcast before a piece of news is going to come out. And actually, it could be one of the biggest injuries of the season if if it is bad news Tyler Haas uh, yeah it's Tyler Haas he could not walk off the floor under his own power over the weekend the teams in BYU's win over Weber State uh BYU has Stanford this Saturday and then UMass and then Gonzaga and if they don't have Haas they're probably going to lose two of those three those are all home games by the way if they don't have Haas BYU is tough to beat at home um but they already lost at home to Utah this year if it's a bad sprain, like a month long, he'll be out. Uh, BYU's tournament chances, in terms of at large, probably go down the drain if he can't play. Maybe they rally in league play, finish second, and barely have enough. But I don't think that'll be the case. I think they'll lack non-conference power. So um, for those that might be listening on on Monday night or even on Tuesday, if Hawes' injury is serious enough, that that was actually you know it was a game no one was really watching. But if he's out, we were talking about about a guy who could be you know top five in scoring. 
by the end of the year. Um, so we wait and see on that, but, but a season could be in the balance here over the next uh, couple hours. It's interesting you bring that up. Okay, so he is right now, Tyler Hall is ranked third in the country in points per game. He's averaging 23.8 uh, per game. Last night, Kobe Bryant passed Michael Jordan on the career scoring list in the NBA. And in that league, professional basketball, we, we do, fo- uh, there's a lot of attention paid to scoring, like, you know, uh, the scoring titles and the scoring leaders, like all of that stuff matters. Right now, do either one of you, without looking, know who's the leading scorer in the country? College basketball? AJ uh, English? It is no. AJ English from Iona. Matt, you didn't know, right? I did not know. We never pay attention to that. It like does not matter in college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the only year it mattered was the Morrison Reddick year. Reddick year, yep. yep, yeah. yep. Or that, McDermott last year, but I that was because, you know, he was going to pass 3,000 and he was kind of chasing it. But uh, generally speaking, you're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah, it, it just, why Why is it? Is it because there's 351 teams and the leading score is often going to be somebody most people have never heard of? Yeah. yeah. Like, like it yeah, was McDermott it. at the end of the year. Last year, McDermott actually got it, but for most of the year, it was Antoine Mason from right. Niagara. <laughs> right. The, like, you just have, I think I did a, I might have done a piece on this a year ago or maybe two years ago, but basically around this premise, like, you normally it's just a player you don't know you don't see on tv a lot and for whatever reason it just that's why i was so big on mcdermott like he was awesome and by the way he was leading the country in scoring so we normally don't get that kind of thing but it is i've I've long been fascinated with that how we just generally don't care maybe that's a good thing maybe not but um it certainly is not something that we pay much attention to no like even in like college football we care about you know uh, passing yards and we care about touchdowns and like the numbers matter there in college basketball the numbers the individual numbers like don't seem to matter like like if you rush for 2,000 yards in college football like that matt and like what is even the equivalent of that number in college basketball like scoring how many points in a season we don't even know you like it's like it's such a non-issue uh but i've 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 always been fascinated by that like looking and seeing who the leading scorer in the country is and recognizing that a most nobody would know who it is and b people wouldn't even recognize the name in in a lot of cases so we mentioned um Biggest disappointments in the country uh, a minute ago, talking about Michigan, Nebraska, all those schools. How about this? There is a team ranked in top 15 Ken Palm right now that nobody thought would be top 15 at Ken Palm. Baylor, 8-1. They're ranked 13th um, offense, uh, top 20 in adjusted efficiency. Defense, top 30 adjusted efficiency. Sam, do you believe in Baylor? Um... I watched them play against Texas A&M, and they look pretty good. I've, I watched their game against Illinois, and I was less impressed. Right. So I'm still trying to figure out how they're so high in Ken Palm <laughs> right. to start. Um, that's just very strange to me. And like I, I don't know how they're going to get scoring in Big 12 play with all these great offenses that they're going to be going up against. I think that they're pretty clearly like the fifth best team in the Big 12. And that's good, but... They're definitely not like a top 15 team in the country, I don't think, either. Well, let's see. Uh, okay, let's go through the Big 12 then. Let's see. Let's see if this is – Kansas, Texas, we'd both say clearly better, right? Yeah. yeah. I would say I Oklahoma and Iowa State. State yeah, too. I think that's probably right. I think, yeah, I think about fifth. But they are top 15 at Ken Palm. So it just like – I yeah. don't know. They're the one that jumped – They like if you go through the Ken Palm top 15 right now, it's – Kentucky makes sense. Duke makes sense. Virginia, not a surprise. Wisconsin predicted that. Uh, Louisville, everybody thought. Villanova, of course. Arizona, Gonzaga, Kansas. Wichita State, Texas. Michigan State, Ohio State, and Florida are the other 14 in the top 15. In other words, 
they all preseason top 25 teams you know all of them ranked highly um you know in the pre the only one that sort of was off the radar in the preseason but it's now somehow worked its way up to 13th uh is, is baylor so um i don't know it's just uh, they lost some important pieces obviously but but um they seem to be pretty good again and looking at least like a an ncaa uh, tournament team all right well uh we've kept you here long enough so let's get out of here and uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, remember you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the quickest way to get your hands on the latest podcast. So make sure to do that. It's uh, free. And uh, we will talk to you again later on this week. Take care.